You're listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast. Here are your hosts, Ben and Garth. Hello, I am Ben Calcaterra, and I am here with Garth Reynolds, the Executive Director of the Illinois Pharmacists Association, and we are here to bring you the next episode of Illinois Farm Talk, brought to you by the Illinois Pharmacists Association. Hello, Garth. Hello, Ben. So today we had another committee hearing, this time in the Senate Executive Committee, and it turned out to be a pretty exciting day, as all the other committee hearings have been. But, but tell us today, Garth, what happened in the Senate Executive Committee hearing. Ben, with the Executive Committee, it was decided to move the amendment for expediency and making sure that it got heard in this last couple of days of session to move it to the Executive Committee to hear Amendment 5. In Amendment 5, as we sent out to our members, but for those who may not have seen the language for Amendment 5, Amendment 5 changed our strategic focus for House Bill 3479. In moving it from looking at reimbursement changes in particular and looking at contract definitions that we want to change for the managed Medicaid program, we shifted the focus to really trying to bring transparency, openness, and accountability to the pharmacy benefit managers for the taxpayer-paid programs of Medicaid and the state health employee program. So we had numerous provisions in there on transparency. Some of it, a lot of these provisions are very similar to what was in House, excuse me, the Senate Amendment Number 1. And we had transparency language in there that the PBMs would have to provide certain data elements to the Department of Insurance. A lot of this was based on the recently passed Kentucky language. We also had provisions in there on contract um, provisions for pharmacies. Um, in addition to the anti-gag um, clauses that we have been talking about wanting to um, have um, some validity to, to getting those removed so pharmacists could be freed up to talk to their patients was in there. Also, the ability for pharmacies to be able to remove themselves from contracts if they felt that they necessarily needed to for their business decisions. Also looking at um, a MAC appeals process, very similar to what we had in Amendment 3. Our um, Pharmacy Audit Reform Package Bill, which was um, Senate Bill 1888, we were able to place into this bill. And also, we were looking at giving the Department of Insurance true enforcement over PBMs, in addition to just not only rulemaking, but also true licensure as PBMs, and not just the registration classification that they have right now as third-party administrators. So this was an overall... Um, omnibus approach to trying to bring more awareness and, and transparency to the actions and activities of PBMs when it comes to state-funded programs. So how this fits in with where we were today in the Senate Executive Committee, we were trying to move the bill out of committee, and we started to hit some stumbling blocks a little bit earlier today. Um, and it was by the actions of our members getting on the phone and getting on email and getting senators to change their mind that we were able to move the amendment out of committee. We're still in a process of working on negotiations over the next um, couple months because it is a general feeling in the Senate that this was a little bit too much right away and right now at the end of session. And we knew this was, this was a strategic gamble, but one, I believe that we are 
still confident that this was the right decision because as we look at our long-term goal and to be able to make significant and permanent change in the managed Medicaid program when it comes to reimbursements, we have to have a lot more data to support our argument. And that is only going to be able to come through the transparency that we have that was laid out in Amendment 5. So where we're looking at right now with the bill. So the, the amendment did come out of committee on a 14 to 1 vote, um, which is great since we were looking at uh, nowhere near that a couple hours before the hearing. Uh, this does give us, still breathes life into this bill. It's still active even though session is more than likely going to end on May 30th, a day early. Um, this is not the end of the 100th General Assembly. They will have a veto session this fall. It'll be after the election, more than likely if tradition holds after Thanksgiving. And we will be able to, at that time, present uh, where hopefully we'll have even more comprehensive language and language that the PBMs will be um, forced to sit down and have some true negotiations with over the coming months and have a stronger bill um, to be able to present at veto and get to a resolution on a long-term strategy, at least in this phase of, of trying to bring true reform to pharmacy benefit managers in the state. Because if you look at the bill, the bill was going to go effective January 1. So it doesn't matter if it's passed today through both the House and the Senate or if it's passed in veto session. It would still go effective on January 1. And I know that there's been some pushback and major concern that this bill isn't, being, um, isn't acting soon enough for the PBMs. Well, the way we look at it with how legislation works, this, there was no way to make the bill be effective earlier. So let's just say for the sake of argument, the bill went effective June 2nd. It wouldn't change any contract that is out there right now. And contracts go renewal at the very first of the year. So it would change contracts as they're amended and as they're renewed or established. So this is going to be, a, a again, this is a longer process for us to be able to implement this change. It is going to be a multi-stepped approach, and we are winning the battles one at a time, and we've had to pivot our strategy multiple times over this year. If we look at it from a very longitudinal point of view with this, just this bill, with House Bill 3479, not looking at the many years that we've been talking about Medicaid and PBM reform, we breathed life back into a bill that was pretty much completely dead. Um, we got it. We, we, we put the life back into it. We got, we rallied support around that bill. We got it out of the house. We got it into the Senate, educated more individuals in, in the, on the Senate side about the bill, shifted our focus to really gaining the, really the foundation of what we need, which is openness and transparency and accountability. And we're on the last days of session with an amendment out of committee, poised in a perfect position to force negotiations of the PBMs to have them come to the table. And there's no way we would have really fathomed that this was where we were going to be back at, at the very first part of this year. And that really has to do with the hard work of, not, of our members and pharmacists just and, and patients 
reaching out to their legislators, talking to them about these situations that they're experiencing in their pharmacies, and really showing the negative impact that the practices and abuses of PBMs are having on pharmacies. So it sounds like, you know, looking back, we've had a tough road to get to where we are. We've had some bills that we thought that we were going to have some movement on that, that were kind of there, but not really moving last year that we've reinvigorated. And, and, and now we have some, some support. And the biggest thing that we could say right now is, you know, we've got the support of our membership that that we need to keep building on and, and to show that to other people who are not members to say, look what we can do when we have have the numbers behind us. You know, we do now have strength in numbers and, and we definitely need more to finish the push uh, because we're not there yet. We still have work to do. We still have a lot of convincing and educating to do at this point. So, you know, let's just say that does work in our favor. We do have all of our membership calling, educating. We're, we're doing what, what we're supposed to be doing in one unified voice uh, to get the point across to all the legislators that we need to. Where does that put us? Where, where are we headed from here with this bill? Well, where we're headed with this bill would, is positioning us to make the first major wave of true reform and openness for pharmacy benefit managers getting them accountable appropriately to the Department of Insurance and actually forcing the Department of Insurance to finally recognize that this is a segment of healthcare, specifically in the insurance realm, that deserves their attention and their oversight. This also, not everything with our strategy is just focused with House Bill 3479. In addition to 3479, we also have to look at what we're trying to do in the short term. IPHA last week filed a Freedom of Information Act request to the Department of Medicaid or HFS to ask for aggregate data de-identified for um, managed Medicaid for not only the fourth quarter of last year, but the first quarter of this year. We're still waiting. That's still pending um, whether a request is going to be accepted, but it, if it's accepted, we would be able to get access to the data that HFS states that they have and being able to allow us to analyze what data that, that, that's available right now and, and give us some short-term insight into the data argument on an aggregate as a whole big picture and be able to compare that with data, with, with benchmark NADAC data and also being able to look at that data that is posted through Medicaid.gov. In addition to other short-term proposals, we are working very closely with Senator Menar, who is a chief budget negotiator, in trying to free up some monies to be able to be as a short-term relief for pharmacies in the highest impact areas from the managed Medicaid program. Um, that is still being worked out. There's still some flexibility in what the numbers are going to be and what the qualifications could be for those pharmacies. Um, but it does give us an, an avenue to be able to provide some monetary relief in this situation as we continue down the longer path strategy and trying to accomplish our overall goal. The monetary um, relief is not going to be a complete fix for pharmacies, but it is something that no other healthcare profession is getting. No other healthcare profession is getting any type of monetary relief during this time 
and pharmacy is the only one that's getting that, and that all has to do with the efforts of Senator Menar being a chief budget negotiator, being able to take monies that were freed up in their analysis of the budget and being able to move um, money specifically from targeted projects that was even in his own short list and moving that because he really believes that pharmacies need to have assistance right now in trying to help keep access available for patients. So this gives us a couple of different strategies of trying to not only provide relief, get more data as we continue down the longer path of getting House Bill 3479 implemented. So, you know, you mentioned Senator Menar and all the work that he's doing in the background to get this bill rolling and, and keep it rolling. Uh, it might be a, a teaching point that we could use for everybody listening to to really let them understand how much work goes on in the background with the legislators that we we have working on our behalf, all the way from the, the House side where Representative Feigenholtz you know, took the lead and, and, and started the ball where she said in the committee hearing that we had on at, at the very beginning, she called this bill the Main Street Pharmacy Bill. Uh, we got that passed out of the House. She did work there to help us with all the support that we had moving that through. And now we've got Senator Menard on our side and, and several sponsors, you know, taking up the fight. But but it's interesting that a lot of people probably don't know just how much work goes in to, you know, renegotiating these bills behind the scenes on a daily basis and moving things around and bringing an amendment uh, to light. It's not just having our members and, and pharmacists and patients walk into their legislator's office and say, this is what we want. We go to a vote, we vote it in, and it's done. There, there's a lot of work that goes on, isn't there? Oh, there, there's tremendous work that goes on, and it's, and it's a daily process, as you said. Um, we've been very fortunate to be able to have um, two very strong um, sponsors, both in the House with Leader Feigenholtz and um, in the Senate with Senator Menard, both of these leaders have been able to garner their positions that they have with not only their own party, but the respect that they have across the aisle and being able to help us tell our side of what is going on, the abuses that pharmacies are having, and being able to make and force negotiations to get us to our goals. and. And I'm not saying that we wouldn't have been able to accomplish this with other sponsors, but these two particular sponsors are completely 100% all in helping pharmacy. And we would not be anywhere with where we are today with the bill if it wasn't for um, Representative Feigenholtz pushing this bill through the House, taking advantage of, a, of the situation and reading it correctly that she had the support, pushing it out of the House, and then Senator Menard helping us with being able to create a true strategy for transparency and openness and accountability and being able to shift that conversation strategically to get us to an even stronger overall goal. So, yeah, and even though we have had all of that support and we have so much momentum going in our favor right now, we've had amendments uh, getting some some great recognition. We've got the PBM. Uh, ha you know, the PBMs are having the light shine brightly on them, so they're not lurking in the shadows anymore. They're, they're out in the open. So, you know, leading up to 
the next several months, okay, let's say that we run into a timeline issue, the bill is kind of stagnant because of, of deadlines, we have a gargantuan task ahead of us to educate in a way that we have never educated before. So, uh, Garth, explain to us what we, what our members and, and what the pharmacists across the state have ahead of them for this summer. Well, first, before I get into that, I want to thank the pharmacies and pharmacists, technicians and patients and student pharmacists that, that made phone calls, that wrote emails to both of our representatives and our senators. We wouldn't be anywhere near where we are without that support. That is completely obvious that where we were, where we are today is because of pharmacies picking up the phone and hitting send on an email. The advocacy level that we have right now in Illinois is at a level I don't think we've had in decades. And we need to continue that push and build that momentum because we are not at fever pitch yet. And this is such an important and vital issue because with all the strategies that we are working on right now, there are pharmacies that are hemorrhaging because of the actions of the managed Medicaid program. And we don't take that lightly. We understand that. And we are, we are working with this multi-pronged strategy, as we've talked about from the very beginning, to get us to our overall goal. So we need pharmacies actually getting involved picking up that phone if they haven't, hitting send on emails. But most importantly, especially in this off time as we're approaching the end of session, is getting the senators and representatives into your stores so they can see the, the evidence for themselves and so that we can help educate them and show them the real-life examples of the abuses that are being put upon pharmacy and how it's impacting our patients today. And IPHA will be working um, with uh, other stakeholders to prepare you for these visits and also looking at other avenues and being able to do outreach and education initiatives to be able to get our senators and representatives in a more comfortable position when it comes for veto session and get this and get this reform package on the books. I know that the first time I was ever asked to speak to a legislator, it was a bit nerve-wracking experience, and I'm sure that there are plenty of listeners that are in that same position. They may not have ever had the nerve to go talk to their legislator, representative, senator, or, or any other at this point, but it's not something that they need to worry about. Um, you know, they're, they're a regular person. They want to hear what's going on. They want to hear your concerns. They want to know what is happening. And by all means, it is our livelihood, yours too, to make that jump into uh, speaking with them. And, and sometimes it's as easy as picking up a call and you'll probably end up talking to a staffer that will relay a message. Um, that's step one. Second step, if you get a, a meeting, uh, whether it be in person or on the phone, you know, and, and they actually pick up the phone and listen to you, it's just a conversation. They just want to know what's happening and you just need to tell your story. Just tell your story. You don't have to embellish. You don't have to say the exact right thing. You just need to tell your story from the heart. And if, if you do get the opportunity to have one of those legislators into your store, by all means, 
just show them what's happening. Just do your daily job uh, because we all know that our daily life, we see these examples every day, day in, day out. So all you have to do is the same thing you do every single day. You've probably had this conversation a hundred times with family and friends and other coworkers or peers that, that you talk to. Have that same conversation with your legislator. Just explain it to them because they don't understand the process. They don't understand all of the spokes in the wheel that we're trying to uh, enlighten them about and tell them what's going on. So just take your time. It's easy. It's no big deal. Just talk to them like they were any other person. Do you have any other advice for those people making their first phone calls or f- first visits? I think you hit a lot of the, the key points right right on the head because there are, I can think of um, at least five or six examples of senators or representatives that we were able to, um, that were either neutral or even in opposition, but by having these conversations, by our members bringing them into their stores, uh, we were able to get them um, enlightened and have their understanding on how how the PBM's um, activities are restraining our ability to practice and have sustainable businesses. Um, so again, as Ben said, you know, it's one of those things, treat it as a normal conversation. Yes, we're very, this is a very passionate issue for all of us, um, but we have to make sure that we have to treat the conversations as an, as an educational opportunity. And, but we have to make sure that we don't just throw everything at them at once. Um, and that's our tendency because, you know, we have them and we want to make sure on the phone or in person, and we want to make sure that we get as, we maximize that time as much as possible. But it really may take a couple of sessions if you have to have them meet for a little bit um, at your at your practice, and then you need to do a follow up meeting with them later at their office. That's okay, and so work with them as they try to understand and as they assimilate this knowledge and understand it and filter it through and get that understanding that we need them to have, um, and get them prepped for the veto session this fall. So if you're still unsure that your legislators want to hear from you, I'll leave you with a quote uh, from our friend, Representative Mary Flowers. After the committee hearing we had in the House, she said this, We're talking about people's lives. We need the pharmacists. We do not need the middlemen. They are not accountable to anyone. Now, if you knew about the state of pharmacy with Representative Mary Flowers a year ago, and you know now what, what her quote is that I've just read, you'll know that she needs to hear from us. And by hearing from us, she is on our side as well as many, many other legislators just simply from hearing our story and being told from the heart. So just pick up the phone, make that call. It'll help everyone out uh, and yourself too. So unless you have something else, Garth? Nope, not for today. Okay, so that'll do it for another episode here. So I thank you to our listeners for supporting this show. Check back regularly to see new episodes as we will keep you updated on legislative matters happening around the state. You can find us on the internet at IPHA.org, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as IL Pharmacist. That's plural with the S, IL Pharmacist. Follow us today to stay in the know. That'll do it for this episode of Illinois Farm Talk. Thank you, Garth. Thank you, Ben. Stay tuned for our next episode as the Voice for Pharmacy in Illinois brings you another edition of Illinois Farm Talk. Thank you for listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast.